Welcome to the Life Church of Kansas City podcast. Please consider following, sharing, and supporting by giving at tlckcmo.com. May you be blessed by the Word of God. We'll be reading from the Word of the Lord in Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 to 11. I'm going to be in the New Living Translation. Paul the Apostle says, Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your interests, but take an interest in others too. You have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth. And every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You say amen to the word of God. Amen. This morning, I'm just going to speak for a few minutes about the first Christmas song. The first Christmas song. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. My days of singing in the kids' Christmas program that we witnessed earlier are over. Um, And I remember being about eight years old, and um, brother and sister Mike and Renee Berry were over our kids' music. And I remember I was really stressed out about remembering the lyrics to the songs we were singing. And so Sister Renee told me just, when you go up there, if you don't know the words, just mouth strawberry watermelon, strawberry watermelon. And it'll look like you're singing the words. And so I was up there singing going, because I did not remember the words. Um, Christmas songs are, they're powerful, especially the ones, I'm not necessarily talking about, you know, Frosty the Snowman and walking in a winter wonderland. I'm not sure there's much um, potent theology in those songs, but if you look at the old classic Christmas songs, they are laced with um, Scripture, uh, powerful phrases, and um, alarming imagery, and arresting language these Christmas hymns carry. They are uh, weighty. And I think it's because songs have a way of teaching things that sometimes 
It's the best way to teach sometimes through a song. The greatest truth that I know in my life I learned when I was five years old. Jesus loves me, this I know, because the Bible tells me so. If you have that, do you really need anything else? If you have, Jesus loves me, this I know. Why? Because the Bible tells me so. You can go a long time on that. And you learn that when you're a child. And it's, it's a song. It, it teaches through a song. And I've been reading Christmas songs and the lyrics of the songs. And children, they sing these songs, and I don't think they quite um, grasp the, the weight of what they're singing, but I think that's intentional because someday they're going to be just repeating a melody in their mind, and they're going to wait, think about, what does that actually mean? In fact, one of the songs they sang earlier, the kids, they sang about what does the word hark mean? And maybe, you know, you're an adult and you learn something about what hark means. It means to listen, stop, and, and pay attention. But if you look at some of the Christmas songs that are out there that are famous, for example, Hark, the Herald, Angels Sing. I'm going to read the first verse to you. Hark, the Herald, Angels Sing. That's already an image of angels singing. Glory to the newborn king. This is what the angels are saying. Glory to the newborn king, peace on earth, and mercy mild. And then this phrase is a little bit too heavy for me for a kid's song, you would think. It says, God and sinners reconciled. Children sing that lyric, God and sinners reconciled. That's probably some of the greatest truth in the Bible. God and sinners reconciled. And it wasn't some, you know, Christmas sugar cookies and sugar pump fairies kind of event with frosting. It was a Jewish man bleeding, dying on a cross. That is how God and men were reconciled. And our children sing these lyrics, rightfully so, because it gets into their heart. The song goes on, joyful, all ye nations rise, join the triumph of the skies. With angelic hosts proclaim, and now we're singing with the angels. Christ is born in Bethlehem. Hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the new-born king. O holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of the dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. Children sing that and the soul felt its worth. Have you ever felt the worth of your soul? That your soul was worth so much that God was willing to face the same sufferings as you and to die. The soul felt its worth. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. A song based on one of the Psalms. And in the arrangement, it seems to come down. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. 
God came down to earth. Let earth receive her king. We send praises back up to God. Theology is taught through songs. You may be surprised to know that the text I read at the beginning was actually an early Christian song. If you notice in the passage of Philippians chapter 2, Paul the Apostle is giving various instructions and, and exhortations about to, to the church. He's saying, you know, don't be selfish. That's, that's verse 3. That's pretty plain language. You know, that's something a parent would tell to a child. Don't be selfish. Paul's talking in plain language. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out for only your interests, but take an interest in others too. And then he says, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Paul the Apostle, if you know his writings, he'll, he will speak in very plain terms. And then all of a sudden, just with the flick of a pen, he'll climb the highest heights of theology and teaching. He was talking about being waylaid and trying to make his way to the Corinthians. And in saying that, he says, but the promises of God are yes and amen. How can you be from, from such a simple thing of life and then talk about these high truths? Paul is talking about not being selfish. And then he says, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. And then if you notice, the language kind of switches from being very conversational to a kind of poetic um, prose as you would say. The language he uses is, it's not plain speaking anymore, but he starts to speak in poetic terms. Though he was God, he did not think equality of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. Don't be selfish, you know, Philippians, don't be selfish. And then, though he was God, he did not think equality of God something to cling to. It goes into this, poem. And scholars say that because he gives no introduction to this, right, these writings, this, this paragraph, and he just kind of inserts it into what he's already writing about, scholars say that this was probably an early Christian hymn. And he was quoting the hymn that they already knew to try and illustrate his principles. It's kind of like if you ever listen to an apostolic preacher and he's, you know, preaching and then he'll say, I'm a one God, apostolic, holy rolling, tongue talking. And then the church can repeat it and they know exactly what he's talking about. He kind of uses that to build a kind of familiarity with his topic. Maybe he's talking about the truth of the apostolic church. Paul's talking about some kind of, he's talking about humility and, and valuing others before himself. And then he puts in this song. He puts in these, these lyrics to a Christian hymn talking about God becoming man. And this song is, I think, the ultimate Christmas song. Because Christmas is all about God becoming man. Christmas is all about the mighty God becoming man and dying 
for our sins. And this, this lyric that Paul quotes, it's, it's kind of alarming. It's kind of breaks theological rules. I've read different commentators' ideas about this passage, and they're perplexed by some of the language Paul uses. In one of the phrases, he says, he did not, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. And then in verse 7, he says, instead, he gave up his divine privileges. One translation says, he emptied himself. One translation says, he made himself nothing. We know that the man, Christ Jesus, was unlike any other man that's ever walked this earth, and that he was fully God and fully man. Some have injured this text and misused it to say that God, Jesus, was not fully God, and that when he was man, his deity was not there. It's not the case. If you read in Scripture, Jesus makes strong claims of his deity. He makes strong claims. He forgives sins. Only God can forgive sins. Before Abraham was, I am. He is fully God. But, in addition, he's fully man. How do we wrestle with this? How do we deal with this truth? Our minds can't really grasp that. I've tried. I've prayed. I've tried to understand this. And I just accept it by faith. There's some things in the scripture that transcend human understanding and so we believe them by faith. That doesn't mean you follow blindly any sort of teaching, but the Bible says things very plainly and then it judges you whether you accept it or not. And so God was, Jesus was fully God and fully man. But this, verse 7, he says, instead he gave up his divine privileges. He emptied himself. He made himself nothing. Not that he gave up his deity as a man, but what that means is that he completely emptied himself of everything during his work on earth. He completely emptied himself. I think it's perfectly depicted in the scene in the garden when he's wrestling whether he wants to go through with his divine will, his divine calling, and he's, he's laying there praying and like blood is, is, is coming out of his, his face because he's praying so hard. He's wrestling with this will and he's even praying if it's possible he wants this cup to pass. He does not want to face the suffering that's coming as a man. But then he completely empties himself and cries, not my will, but thy will be done. And then on the cross, he completely empties himself and pours out his life for humanity. This sort of idea, the Greek word for this emptying himself is kanao, and scholars call this teaching kenosis, when you empty yourself of everything just like Jesus did. When he came as a man on earth, 
he emptied himself completely and poured out his life for the world. And in response, we empty ourselves. We make ourselves nothing. We lay aside our privileges and we empty ourselves in serving God and serving neighbor. This is what the idea of Christmas is about. This is why Paul put this song in here to talk about the incarnation. The power of the incarnation is that God emptied himself to come as man and to pour out his life. And so, because he did that, he demands us to do the same. It's not a suggestion. The cross makes no suggestions for your life. The cross demands the, the cross demands that we live our lives mirroring how Jesus lived his life and emptying himself for God and for the world. There is no discussion in this. There's a lot of talk in our culture about the self. I think it's epitomized in the language of self-love. Nothing can be further from the biblical message. Yes, take care of yourself. Do what you need to do. But the only way that you're going to find real fulfillment, real purpose in this life, is if you empty yourself and live your life for God and for others. There's no greater self-care, there's no greater self-love than to pour out yourself, to empty yourself for God and for others. That is where the fulfillment is. It's following what Jesus did. And so... Paul is, he writes, he writes this letter to the Philippians from prison. We don't exactly know what part of life he was in. It could have been in Rome. It could have been somewhere else. But what if when Paul wrote this letter, he's in prison in Rome? He's been arrested for preaching the gospel. And he wanted a trial before Caesar. And he said, I, I demand you know, to go before Caesar as he could as a Roman. And secretly he said that just so he could get a free trip to Rome. It was expensive back then under the protection of the Roman government. And so he's in, he's in Rome. He's in a dark, cold prison. He's, he's sitting there in the corner. He has, they, let him, they gave him a couple parchments and a pen, and he's, he's, writing, he's writing some last things to his, the churches that he started. And he's, he's, writing, he's writing this, and he, he, inserts, he inserts the hymn, you know, God emptied himself. He made himself nothing, and he, he writes this to the Philippians, and he folds it, and he sends it, and he moves it along. And then the last letter that he wrote was 2 Timothy. And in these letters to Timothy, Paul says, I am being poured out like a drink offering. I'm being poured out like a drink offering. He's emptying himself for the sake of the gospel. And as he finishes the letter of 2 Timothy. He folds it up 
and hands it off to whoever's going to take it. The guards come in, and they pick him up. And in our darkest moments, sometimes only a song is what can make it through, make us get through it. There's been a lot of songs that have gotten me through things in my life. And sometimes when you're in the darkest night, all you can do is just sing a song underneath your breath. And I can only imagine Paul being dragged out of the prison. Underneath his breath did he sing, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the form of a servant. As he's about to pour out his life and step to the other side of glory, is he singing underneath his breath? He made himself nothing. And so I can make myself nothing pouring it out to God. And then the song goes, and being formed in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death even death on a cross. And Paul's about to go to the sword to be beheaded. If Jesus can pour out his life, God, please help me pour out mine. He's repeating the song underneath his breath. He made himself nothing. And then the final lyric, therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. And he claims this song as his prophetic promise. That someday Jesus will reign on earth and Paul's life will be redeemed. And he'll see Jesus on the other side of glory. And he's kneeled down and his head is put down. And then the sword comes and he is gone. Could it be that his last song that went through his mind was singing this song just like he had already written and following in the manner of death as his Lord did? He made himself nothing. This Christmas, as you're gathered around with your families, reading the Christmas story, and just thinking about the season and about what Jesus did, remember why he came to earth, to pour out his life for you. He made himself nothing Jesus I thank you I thank you for your sacrificial death on my behalf father Jesus this Christmas season all I can do is give you praise it's all I have to bring God is a sacrifice of praise I have nothing good in me God all I have to boast in is of your righteousness and your holiness Father, I praise you this Christmas season. And I thank you 
for emptying yourself. Jesus, you came to earth to die for my sins. All I can do is raise my hands and praise unto you, God, for what you have done. All I can do is praise you, Jesus, for what you've done. All I can do is praise you. Come meet us, God, this Christmas season, Lord. Those who are dealing with loss of a loved one. God, pain in the heart, God, of this tough Christmas season. I pray, Lord, that your spirit would move on our hearts. And let God, your holiness and your righteousness, God, come into our hearts. Knowing that you emptied yourself for us and died for our sins. I think it would be good if we all just worship the Lord right now. Thank you for listening to this message. For more content, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at the Life Church KC. Reference the episode notes for more details.